Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Last week, Elliot joined us to talk about relationships with people with avoidant attachment style. And he's here again this week to answer your questions about this exact subject. In part two of this avoidant attachment styles episode, he'll help you determine if you're in a relationship with someone with avoidant attachment style, or if perhaps you have an avoidant attachment style. I'd love to connect with you via my weekly newsletter. Joining the Love and Life email list ensures you're the first to know everything going on in the Love and Life family. You'll receive insider perk pricing for consultations and events, and it's the best way to keep in touch when I do what the research suggests is very healthy and take breaks from social media. Subscribe on my website, loveandlifemedia.com. And as a bonus, you'll get my free Empowered Dating Playbook. Yeah, let's move to the question portion of the episode. Yeah, go ahead. So one of the listeners talked about, well, if oneness takes seven to 10 years, and I think she framed it as if intimacy takes seven to 10 years, well, that's a long time. I'm, I might be older anyway. I don't know if it's worth the time. Mm-hmm. And there is a difference between oneness and intimacy. So I wanted to just share a little bit that intimacy can be very quick. Just a great conversation with a stranger where you feel some kind of emotional mental connection or shared experience at support groups, Mm -hmm. right? You can be intimate with someone you've never met before. You're all sharing trauma or pain or addiction. Intimacy is fast. So I'm not saying a a marriage, a relationship has to have seven to 10 years to build any intimacy. That's not the point at all. Yeah, yeah. The biblical spiritual uh, Hebrew oneness is about two separate interdependent individuals fully accepting, fully knowing, and building that unity and trust and foundation that takes seven to 10 years. Mm-hmm. All the other intimacies along the way, the more you do the complete intimacy mm-hmm. picture and holistic maneuvers, the stronger it'll be. It's not like I'm saying you're at risk. It's just to really get to that oneness. Just like think about your best friends. You, you might've found an intimacy with your best friend when you're in third grade, mm-hmm. did activities together, played sport together, danced together, whatever. But it's probably by high school when the relationship gets really deep and then someone goes through a crisis or mm-hmm. someone goes through a breakup and then it really cements and then you're lifelong friends. It's the same kind of context. It just needs to be built through multiple intimacy layers. I'm not telling anybody, you know, if you feel this connection, ridic- it's, it's not true. It's fake and you can't have it for 10 more years. That wasn't the point. Right. Or that you have to wait seven to 10 years before you can even think about getting married because you don't have, yes, you don't understand the, 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 you don't have a clear picture of your intimacy. Yeah. That was from the anxious attachment episode we did recently. And you had made that comment about oneness and about expectations And we were talking about how sometimes when, especially now we're back to anxiously attached individuals, maybe looking for this intense connection that's premature and unrealistic for the first even couple months, even year of a relationship and that we should be open to the pacing again that we've spoken to today as well. But I even in that conversation, I wasn't making the distinction you're making here between intimacy and oneness. And yeah, one of the comments from one of the listeners, she seemed a bit defeated. And I thought, oh, no, we did not mean to 
cause anyone to feel discouraged. I think she said she was in her early 50s or late 40s. And wow, if she had seven to 10 years before she would have that kind of connection, she might as well just give it up. So I, yeah, we definitely wanted to speak to that and clarify what you meant by that. Yeah. And many couples I work with um, that have anxious avoidant or secure and secure, doesn't matter, do have the sense that, oh, this could be the one very quickly. Mm-hmm. That's not uncommon, mm-hmm. whether you're 17 or 60. Mm-hmm. So that's not the point at all. Not mm-hmm. to feel like, oh, that can't possibly be real. Right. It's just you don't necessarily say it right away. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like if you at your work and you just got there for a couple of weeks and then you start telling your colleagues, I'm going to be your supervisor someday. <laughs> right. You know, I'm going to own this place someday. And you mean it. Well, that's just a little too much. Even yeah. if you're deep in your heart, you think that might be true. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm trying to just give different environments mm-hmm. for different contexts. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a deep relational, emotional person like that. I could easily say things like that. And so it's learning how to pace and recognize and assess whether it's at work mm-hmm. or church or family or relationships or dating. Mm-hmm. If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. We had another question come in that I think would be perfect for this conversation. It's one that I typically I answer via my Love Smarter, Not Harder IGTVs. But I thought since we were hitting this topic, I would just share it with you and get your thoughts on it. So the questioner says, I got out of an abusive marriage a few years ago. I became involved with an old friend and fell more in love with him than I have have with anyone else in my life. He's 45, never married and no kids. At first, we bonded as friends and he was super attentive and affectionate. I was still standoffish the first year together. He started to grow somewhat distance And the harder I tried, the more he pulled away in retreat. Almost like the more I tried and gave, the less he did or cared or at least seemed to care. It just felt that he didn't care about meeting my needs back. We broke up often or rather we'd have a disagreement and he would pack and leave, but we would be back in a few days, mostly because I would be the first to reach out. So they were living together. Sounds Sounds like like at least he was staying for periods of time. She says, I started researching stuff because though I loved him, I never wanted to be in an abusive or toxic relationship again. And I came across attachment theory and I can say it's spot on for me being the anxious partner and him, the avoidant one. He had a very tough childhood and his mom didn't nurture him and she still doesn't. He saw his dad hit his mom often as a young child as well. So my question is, is it possible for an avoidant partner to make changes if they are truly willing to? And if so, how much work and dedication does it require to change? I'm willing to change my anxious style, but it really only ever happened when he would retreat. That's what kicked in her anxious attachment. Classic anxious avoidant fights. I really do love him. She's done her research. (laughs) But if this isn't something to easily overcome, I know it's best I move on and choose self-love. So my question is, is it easy to change this on your own without help or does it require years of work to repair damages like that that have affected us well into adult years? Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, have, I, I know you want this. pages co- <laughs> going in my head right now. Yes and yes and yes and no. Yes, you can possibly salvage this relationship, of course. I'm, I'm a firm believer in hope and, and truth and prayer and, and hard work. So yes, there certainly needs to be some healing individually on both sides, some counseling or uh, mentoring or significant 
emotional work for, for both people. And it sounds like with his mother wound, some serious trauma, and then a prolonged period of singleness, that he doesn't have a background of commitment, attachments that are secure. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't be surprised that this happened. The fact that they had a strong foundational friendship Mm -hmm. allowed it to happen easily in a nice paced way, probably, Mm -hmm. because they had years of experience together as friends. And he's probably a lot more comfortable as a great friend than he is lover, confidant, committed, future husband, or everything else. And so though it makes complete sense why they were either living together or sleeping over regularly or weekends together, whatever it was, I'm not judging any of that. It makes total sense. That would be one of the things to stop immediately just to draw that line. Well, if we're not going to have the intimacy holistically, we can't do the sleepovers and and pretend like we're in a marital relationship, but we're not. Mm Mm-hmm. So she's used to marriage. He's not. Mm -hmm. So she probably wants to gravitate back towards that again. Mm -hmm. Uh, He sounds definitely afraid of it. Mm -hmm. And even probably, again, more fearing himself than her. Mm -hmm. You know, will I hit my wife like my dad did? Mm -hmm. Um, Will I not want to come home? Will I, you know, choose all these things? And that's why he needs some significant work. And again, if she brought that up in a a nice, logical, sequential, she's like you said, sounds very research oriented and Mm -hmm. and Mm self-aware. If she brought that forward and he was unwilling to do any of it or most of it, then that would be your answer. Yeah. And it sounds a power dynamic, like she's overriding him with her sense of self-awareness. No, this is just a rational decision to make because she's already in great pain. You can hear it. Mm -hmm. And she's very aware. She recognizes that when they would get back together, it was because she was reaching out again. And then, as you talked about earlier, he's willing to come so far, but he's not willing to be the one to initiate. And I think eventually that's going to really get old. And even if they got married, unless these dynamics are worked out, I would recommend, obviously, if he probably wouldn't be willing, but in therapy, they're just going to carry that into a very unhappy. It's unlikely, in my opinion, that he would want to be married. Yeah. He just want to live together. Yeah. And, and keep that clean from these traumatic memories. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think he equates marriage with the ultimate pain. Yeah, because that's what he saw. Yeah. The people he loved the most weren't there, weren't available, and right. hurt, hurt the other people. Yep. And even his mom wasn't able to nurture him, which is young men get, they, they learn to nurture. It's great if they have a The empathy and nurture comes from the mother. Right. Yeah, It's absolutely. great if the father can do some of that. But yeah, it comes mostly from the mother. Yeah. Have you heard? You can now listen to my book, Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right. As you know, I wrote the book I wish had been available to me when I was single. So obviously, it's not about how to snag a man. Rather, it's all about how to stay strong amidst single shaming and remain true to yourself and never settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. Find it on Audible or iTunes. And for a free sample, check out Chapter 11 of Single is the New Black in Episode 145 of Love and Life. Okay, here's one from Instagram Stories. After six dates, a guy asked me out again, but he updates his Bumble profile the next day. Then with me, he's talking about exclusivity on the seventh date. I asked him about Bumble and how he updated his profile. And he says, a friend did it and would have told me if he thought I'd see it. But he still wants to be exclusive and he promises more openness. What do I do? Sorry, just to also add, 
He has said he hates confrontation and is very risk averse. <laughs> yeah, this is this happens all the time. I should have mentioned it earlier. The social media style of avoidance. Oh, yeah. Is that they might be talking marriage to you and not even have their status changed from single. Right. It's just very common. They want one foot out at all times. And it sounds like she did a great job just kind of bringing it up. Yeah. And and confronting him, hopefully graciously and lovingly and gently as she could. But sometimes you got to be pretty direct. But those things are such early indicators. Yeah. That if there's not pretty quick adjustment, flexibility, you're not bossing them around, but you're just asking, hey, if we're going to be exclusive, can we at least have that indicated on your your status? That's totally fair. That's not selfish, coercive. Or- well, and Bumble is a dating app, so he should be ready. To, if you if he's about ready to ask her on date seven, apparently she says he's talking exclusivity. Well, then, then that should be. Yeah, you know, I don't know these sites. Right. So that should be an equation that goes hand in hand. If we're going to be exclusive, <laughs> yeah, then I'm done with the dating profile. Yeah. yeah. So if you're on Facebook, it should be single. I mean, exclusive or whatever, whatever. Right. Those no, I see what are. you're saying. Yeah. Like in those general social media platforms that aren't exclusive to dating. Yeah. Do we believe that the friend updated it or do you think that's a little? I would say that's 50 50. I don't. But... Most avoiding men don't want people in their business. So it's likely not a friend. Uh, it sounds like an excuse and a lie, but I don't know. Yeah. It might be true. You know. I mean, do you say proceed with caution? I would just say, well, then tell your friend to change it. You know? well, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. If your friend did it, are you, are you not in control of your own stuff? I would say proceed with significant caution and do the structural things we talked about earlier, kind of laying it out. Uh, it sounds like shit's been going well, so I don't want to yeah, no. say there's no shot. Six dates and then he's talking exclusivity. I like the pacing, but then... I don't like that he's like, by the way, also, I don't like confrontation. I feel like he's setting her up to be like, yeah. and when you're coming at me with these questions, you're being confrontational where she may be just approaching him with a very legitimate concern. Yeah. Like, why are we talking exclusivity when you legitimately last night updated your profile? People um, who are avoidant tend to not like conflict mm-hmm. and perceive direct conversation, even gently toned and tenored as fighting. Mm-hmm. You were yelling at me. No, I wasn't. I just said I'd prefer yeah. you not be on Bumble anymore. Well, they hear it a certain way, perceive it a certain way, because they don't want that confrontation. They don't want that accountability. So, yeah, she's just got to recognize that again and say, well, is this man willing to adapt and flex and come? And do we meet each other in all these other capacities? And But that example bothered her enough to reach out, which yeah. tells me her instinct says massive red flag. Yeah. And trust her instinct to do something about that. And yeah, and the risk averse, that's interesting too. But yeah, that's avoidant. So, I mean, yeah, I mean she's describing it. I mean, yeah, because I said, do, we're going to talk about avoidant attachment. Do you guys have any questions? And she, that's what she came yeah, If she up wanted with, to so. find out, this is very sarcastic, but if she wanted to find out, she could say, would you marry me in two weeks? <sighs> that's horrible advice. Of course it is. That's why I'm saying sarcastic. <laughs> but the whole idea is this context of if you have someone avoidant, sometimes it's like flooding in phobia techniques or something. You can really address it in a dramatic way. She'd scare him off. We talked about scaring someone off and she wouldn't yeah. even be sincere. So it'd be inauthentic. Scratch that from the record. I'm going to have to pull that out. Well, he irritated me. With, so I'd like to go. Yeah, well, I know. I'm sure you're like, I would like to have a session with these people and we'd straighten everything yeah. out. If you're looking for some in-depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com and click on the work with me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns, will target limiting beliefs and thought patterns, will learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood, will identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals, 
and we'll together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. All right, next question. She says, after I'm intimate and sexual with someone, I want to push them away. Is that avoidant? Yes, for sure. And we'd have to ask all the other conditions involved. Is this her pursuing the sexuality? Because if she's pursuing and get what she wants and there's no rebuff or accountability from him or pacing from him, she might be disappointed, disrespectful, and therefore she's like done. If she's allowing it early in the process, it could be that whole thing as well. Like she's done, well, that wasn't, that wasn't very satisfying. It was so fast. So mm-hmm. we need more environmental, conditional context there. But it could be avoiding her part that she wants that intimacy, but is not willing to do all the other intimacy work as well. Like we talked about, it's not solely a male issue. Right. It just tends right. to be dominated by males, but it's not solely a male issue. Yeah. Uh, there's many women who do the conquest dating thing yeah. as well get the guy to really, really, really fall for them. And then they Mm -hmm. rebuke Mm -hmm. him. So it sounds like she might have a little bit of that. We'd have to hear more of her story and her, and is that followed her in other relationships or even with family and friends and parents and. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. What would your recommendation, like just a first step, tell her to slow her roll. Would that be a good first step? I say, well, why is the sex happening? Because she led with that. So why is the sex happening and what's the context of it? Mm Mm-hmm. Is there exclusivity before the sex? Is there not? Because mm-hmm. again, if she's feeling used, even if she allowed herself, availed mm-hmm. herself, that's still going to, she's going to just start pulling away. Right, right. Even when the woman tries to act like a conquest man, she's not. Right. And she's bonding in way deeper layers than he he is. And so yes. there's all those holistic measures that I think she's fighting through. So I'd, I'd have to hear more, but I'd say at least analyze, self-analyze. Yeah. How am I doing this pacing? How's the sex happening? Mm-hmm. When's it happening? With what kind of guy? And. Mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, it really strikes me that what you said, that she even being the one to lead even perhaps and consent to early sex, she may be recoiling because she is feeling abused, even though she's like, well, that's irrational because I was totally complicit with it. But she may at, yeah. at a deeper level. Because if it's again, linked to early sexual experimentation or relationships mm-hmm. with guys that she felt abused her or used her mm-hmm. or raped her. And even though now she's willing, it's still going to trigger those memories and those conditional mm-hmm. experiences. So again, and then the protective part of her will pull back. Absolutely. Which she should. Right. In some regards. So that's where yeah. avoidant attachment might be wise again. And mm-hmm. maybe she needs to spend some time doing some self-healing. It's just an assumption because we don't know. I know. Yeah. It's, we had just one sentence of information. Okay. Final question. How can I give a three-month relationship a chance without bolting? I met a great guy, but I'm just not sure. Well, again, we don't have a ton of context here, but I would do some personal assessment first, maybe writing out what am I looking for in a long-term exclusive relationship? What do I feel I need? What relational dynamics am I looking for from a partner for life? All the other contexts, family history from both sides. I think I would just do some self-assessment first, maybe talk that through with someone who can give me a little feedback, a mentor, a friend. Uh, and then if he's the type of guy that's willing to talk through that on his end, you could have both of you do it and just have this like quarterly meeting <laughs> to yeah. say, how are we doing together? What's working? What's not working? And again, it sounds so prescriptive and business-like, yeah. but sometimes that's the best way to build deeper intimacy in a marriage because it sometimes doesn't happen naturally. So I like to hear momentum in relationships. It sounds like this mm-hmm. one's starting to plateau a little bit. 
And so it'd be interesting from her perspective to see how can we get it growing again if we have plateaued and, and being intentional about that together. And hopefully he would feel the same way and do some leading in that so it doesn't cause the the dance. But again, It's tricky. Yeah, yeah, it's tricky because three months in, I don't know if they're three months dating or three months of exclusivity. Sure, it's a big difference. So there's a difference there. And then she used the word bolt, which suggests to me that she does think she bounces sometimes too mm-hmm. quickly, just the terminology she used and that she maybe has done that in the past. Then of course my default mode is always, if you're feeling like after three months, it's not a fit, it just may not be a fit, yeah, but it's be, just tricky. Is it again, is it her recoiling? And is this evidence of an avoidant attachment style that she needs to work on and maybe sit with this relationship and continue on a little bit longer, give it more of a chance? Mm-hmm. Or is it just the part of her that's saying, this isn't a match. And yeah. as one who tried to make something fit for way too long, I guess my, I, I kind of err in that direction, but I think it, that's why it's good to talk to someone like you who's could be both. worked with so many couples and have seen so many dynamics over the years. So. It could be two years of dating and you feel that. Yeah. It could be two years of marriage and you feel that. Yeah. So there's natural ebb and flow to relationships. So there's periods that aren't super exciting and super wonderful or very difficult. So it doesn't mean, oh, forget it. I'm leaving. I'm bolting. Mm-hmm. But that's why analyzing why am I feeling that at the moment, look at that through a little bit of your own lens first before you accuse your partner about it yeah, or challenge him about it. But every relationship takes growth and some intentionality. It doesn't mean it has to be super hard work, but mm-hmm. it takes some investigation, exploration, disclosure, and conversation. And I think sometimes when they start to feel unequal mm. and we start to feel anxious or we sense avoidance, then we're going to kind of, she might be instinctively pulling back. Like you said, it could be simply... It's been wonderful. It's a great guy. I just don't mm-hmm. think this is, yeah. you know, the marathon. I think yeah. this one might, yeah. might be done. The love and life hack for this week is pace and don't chase. When we pace ourselves, we're able to lay back and see who this person shows himself to be. And if we don't chase, we avoid that pursuer distancer dynamic we talked about in the first part of this episode that gets us caught up, especially when we end up pursuing someone with avoidant attachment style. Thanks as always for joining us today. And if you have any questions for Elliot or me, head over to loveandlifemedia.com and click on the Ask a Question page. On the website, you can also grab your free Empowered Dating Playbook, which puts you on my newsletter list so we can stay in touch. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril.